Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and myself, Christoph Katzbach, talking about the sermon from July 25th, 2021. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Faith Church podcast. I am your excited host, Jay. Yeah, joining me is my... Overwhelming. Yeah, is my enthusiasm overwhelming to you right now? It, it really is, dude. It's been a, it's just been a long day already. Yeah, it kind of. Feels I gotta like get it. my energy up. I'll, yeah. I'll get rolling here a little bit. But you also blasted my ears. I don't know if people realize, Christoph has a background in radio. Yeah, and being a musician of a very loud band, and so his hearing is shot. It's bad. It's really bad. I realized that radio people's hearing was really bad. Um, uh, just a really quick story. I used to go out How to. Quick? Just quick. I used to go out to Rapid City, South Dakota. We had sister stations out there, and they would they would send us out there whenever they were doing their pledge drives, and we would get to help out. It's really cool. They would. It, it was a lot of fun. It's cool checking it out. Um, but you would go into their culture was you had your own headphones and you'd plug it into the soundboard, and wherever you you would go hop between studios and you would just carry your headphones, mm-hmm. which. Back here, it was there was just you know studio headphones that you just used. Which thinking about it, their version was way more sanitary. Ours was not. But I, I realized that radio people have terrible hearing. Whenever I would put my headphones into the soundboard, and it would be literally maxed out, like yeah. jacked up, <laughs> maxed yeah. out. And I was like, what? Uh, and it and it hurt. Just for reference, and now you're that guy. It, well, I'm. I'm not quite that guy. I mean, the headphones right now are at about quarter of the way up. When I have it, it's about halfway up. So I've got a little bit of time. To All see. I know is that because both of our headphones are controlled by the same level. Yeah. And every time I put these headphones on, you blast my ears out. So right now it sounds to me like you're whispering. And right now this sounds a little loud for me. It still sounds loud? Yes. I, I can still turn it down. No, no. And like now it doesn't hurt anymore. Okay. Well, I would never want to hurt you, so. Do you really want to (laughs) Yeah, no, okay, all right. Anyways, you preach this Sunday. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's a good transition. You know, you're the one that complains that we, like, Robbie and I are too rambly, and then you're telling stories about going to Rapid River and headphones and Rapid City. Rapid River. Rapid Rapid River. I don't think they have any rivers in South Dakota. Oh, it's Rapid City, South Dakota. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like literally like right by Mount Rushmore. Why would you think and... helping with the pledge drive was fun? That's like everybody's least favorite part about Christian radio. I know that's the fu- that's like the cognitive dissonance of working in Christian radio is like you hype yourself up and it's like you're on the air for twelve hours and so you have to think of it as like the most enjoyable thing ever. Otherwise, it's well, not. And, guess what? But the listening end. No, I know yeah. the I, the listening end. Trust me. Now that I've been yeah. out of radio for a while, I'm with you. I feel like it's constant. But all right. So yeah, we're transitioning. So yeah. this Sunday. This Sunday, you preached yeah. on Psalm 20. Yes. What? Uh, so I guess my first question, after, after I got to preach a, a week ago, I was really drawn to this idea of taking kind of some Psalms and deciding which one to preach on. Yep. What what drew you to this Psalm? Uh, that's a great question. I don't I don't really know. I I think I was just drawn to the how different it was. So I thought immediately when I thought about how I would preach it, I loved, I just loved how it was this, this prayer for people. So a lot of the Psalms are, you know, obviously aimed, and this one was aimed at God also, but a lot of them are, um, it's kind of a conversation between me and God about what's going on in the world and what's going on in my heart and Lord, like, and who God is and all that. This was like a, a, um, you know, I looked at it as more of a prayer for 
others. Like it could have been a blessing, a benediction, something like that. And so I was just kind of drawn to the opportunity to just do that. I thought, man, let's just go through this and let's pray for people. Yeah. So that'd be good. Yeah. It was when, when you, when you, um, when you said we were doing Psalm 20, it was interesting to me because I, I was telling you this before we started recording that I, I felt convicted because I read Psalm 20 and I read it from kind of a selfish perspective of kind of the psalmist praying this for me. And so I was reading this as like um, promises or blessings right. or, or prayer for me. But the direction you took the sermon in was was quite the opposite. You actually kind of took it as like a, hey, here's a template for how we should be praying for others. Um, why? Well, I, I think I mean, one, one reason is most of our sermons, and, and I'm guilty of this, and um, so much of our Bible reading is so me-centered. And and we can make it God centered, and so we we it's it's either me centered or it can be God centered, and and Bible reading should always be God centered. So let's be clear about that, and it's Christ centered. But I just am struck by how often, as I'm reading through Scripture, I'm so focused on, um, you know, what this what this means for me, how I should feel about it, how I should obey it, and those are all wonderful things. But I think then taking it and then saying, turning it into a prayer for my brothers and sisters, because if this is something that God is teaching me or showing me through his word, I also want other people to partake in that. And so um, I think that it's always a good thing to, to read scripture with a mind to how does this stir me to love God more and to how does it stir me to love my neighbor? Um, And sometimes sometimes that just means praying that these incredible things that you see in scripture would also come true for my neighbor, that they would also see it, that they would receive it, that they would, that they would know it. And that's, that's what to me, Psalm 20, um, what I see in that is that, um, yes, it's a blessing for the people, but, um, and yes, these are things that we can read and we can also receive it uh, I think there is a very real way in which David is is praying this over all of God's people, which now includes us. And so um, I think that is a really incredible thing. Um, we see that also with the high priestly prayer when Jesus is praying for us. And we often look at that and say, wow, how incredible is that that Jesus is also praying for me? I think that's great. But then when I see that, when I see how either the psalmist or Jesus in that case is is praying for me, well, that should also immediately spark, well, I want to pray that for other people. And, um, and so I think, I think being reminded of that, taking the opportunity to say, you know, this is, it's really good for us to pause and, um, like, cause most of the time when you hear a sermon, if I do think like the common joke is, um, you know, that I often use is when I listen to a sermon and I think of other people, it's not typically in a flattering light. It's usually like, Oh, you know who really needs to hear this? Right. Like, Oh, I right. wish Christoph was <laughs> yeah. here. I'm right. going to recommend this sermon to him because this will fix him. Um, unfortunately that's, that's how, if, if other people come into our mind during a sermon or in scripture reading, I think it's often for honest, it's often in that light of, Oh, I wish this person knew this. I wish they would yeah. hear this. But how often are we listening to a sermon and thinking of people that I want to pray this for? I want to pray for God's blessing over them. I want to pray that they would flourish. I want to, like all these things that I'm receiving right now, I want to pray that other people also receive those. Yeah, I the the phrase that 
that I that I used with the youth and was just kind of ringing in my ears as you were preaching this and I was being challenged by was what, what God has done to us, he wants to do through us. And I was thinking of how um, as as I'm reading this and as I'm thinking, oh, what what a blessing it would be to know that someone is praying this for me or what a, what, right. what even a blessing it is to read it in scripture and to know that this, um, you, you could kind of read it in the light of, of David praying it for us, that, that this is then what we're called to pour out onto onto others and to, and to pray to others. It actually, it reminds me of, 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 a, of a lyric that I, I quote often is, a glass can only spill what it contains. And I just, I think of how, um, I think we stop sometimes, right? We stop from taking that that next step towards then mm-hmm. living that out towards others, praying that towards others. Then, um, uh, I, I don't know. And I think part of it is we just, we don't think about it. We just kind of like, we embrace, we read this, we embrace it, we go, oh, that's warm and fuzzy. And then we don't think about how we could be, um, uh, how it could be pouring out onto others. And, and I, so I loved, and I would love to talk more about this too, is I loved how you then took it even a step further because I feel like it's really easy then to be praying this for um, our family, be praying this for our friends, be be praying this for um, you know even those who are part of our church. But to, but but you took it a step further, and you're like, no, 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 this is what we're supposed to pray for our enemies, right? W- why? Why? Well, because Jesus said to. So there's oh, well, a- <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, <laughs> okay, do you want a deeper fair. answer than that? I well, because so we love to define. We love to we love to make our own definitions of what different words mean. So one example is uh, we 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 know we're called to love everyone. We know we're called to love our neighbor. We're called to love our brothers and sisters, and we're called to love our enemies. So scripture in at different times points to the idea that there's nobody. And and Jesus makes that really clear with the parable of the Good Samaritan when he flips it around when. The, you know, they say, well, who is my neighbor looking for? Who can I exclude from this? Who, who do you not mean when you say that I'm supposed to love my neighbor? Like, who do I not have to love? And Jesus makes it clear that that's the wrong question and the wrong, like you're, it's for everybody. And you, um, the, the question isn't who, who is your neighbor? The question is, who are you a neighbor to? Like you, you are to love others as your neighbor. Um, and, and so we get that. So once you get over that obstacle, that was the first challenge. But now modern day, I think if we were around and Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself, the question we would learn, we'd be like, oh, I'm not asking who's my neighbor. God, that, that didn't work <laughs> yeah. out well for them. But then we would ask like, well, what do you mean by love? Right. Like, what yeah. does love yeah. actually mean? Like, do you just mean don't hate them? Do you just mean don't wish them harm? I mean, even by those definitions, a lot of us struggle with that. For sure. But, um, you know, we use phrases like, well, we're called to love everyone, but you don't, that doesn't mean you have to like everyone. Um, as if like is some extra special thing that love isn't, um, that it's this kind of nonsense that we fit, but that all feeds in. It it all comes from this idea that, okay, I know Jesus called me to this, but as long as I keep that kind of theoretical and I just keep that like intellectual and theological and just, you know, in, in my mind, as long as I just keep it up there, then I can, I can follow that flow chart exactly how I want to. So I can define for myself what that actually means playing out. But when we look at what Jesus, Jesus gives examples of what he means when he says these things. And if we look at those, then that's when it gets a little uncomfortable. So when he says pray, and so I I drew that off of pray for those who persecute you. Well, uh, like 
Obviously, though, we're supposed to be praying that they would just get like, like, like God would throw a thunderbolt at right. them. Right. Well, and like, that's what that that's moment, the point right? is like the disciples thought that. You see that in the Psalms a lot of times. David prays that God would judge uh, his enemies, that he would uh, thwart their plans. That you know, you you see this, but Jesus takes a different approach. And so when Jesus is talking about praying for others. He he directly rebukes the disciples for thinking that meant calling down lightning and um, and fire to consume these people. Um, there is a you're praying for their blessing. You're praying for their um, for their good. Like you want them to flourish, and in doing that, or in my lack of ability to do that, that demonstrates my lack of love. Like if I really love somebody, I want them to flourish. Now that doesn't mean that, um, that doesn't mean I forsake justice or any of those things. It it doesn't mean that I, um, it, it means that however, whatever's going on in their life, like I want them to flourish. And I know that the way they flourish is ultimately through Christ. Okay. And, and that's, that yeah. was going to be kind of my next question then is like, how, how then do we pray? Because it feels like we, we, it feels like they're kind of, they kind of run parallel, right? We, we pray this Psalm as well as praying for justice, right? Like we, we, we pray, but do we, do we pray those side by side or do we, how, how, how do you, well, I mean, what, what do does you it mean, mean to pray for justice? You know, like I, I, I want, you know, God, like if you think about, sorry, this is, um, so you think about Ezekiel 33. Okay. When the Lord says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live, turn back, turn back from your evil ways for why will you die? O house of Israel. So first of all, clearly like aimed at, when he's talking about the wicked, he's not talking about other nations like that's in Israel. Right. Um, but this, there's this view of God and that's very clear in scripture that when, when a sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. You see it in the prodigal son. Yeah. You see it in the parable of the, the 99 sheep. You see it in the parable of the 99 sheep. You see it, um, you see it in Acts, in, in like real life fleshing out in Acts 16 yeah. with the Philippian jailer and Paul. The question isn't like, well, what does this person deserve and what is justice? Like I give that up to God. When God says vengeance is mine, part of part of that and part of forgiveness is you're just, you're transferring that over to God and saying, God, I trust you to handle all justice here. That's not on my shoulders anymore. I don't have to be that. I don't have to be the judge. I don't have to determine any of that. You are going to do that. And I trust you to do that. My posture is I want this person to, to flourish. I, I want to pray for the, I don't delight in, in the death of the wicked. God doesn't delight in it. So why would I delight in that? I don't delight in people getting their comeuppance. That's if I went into the extent I do, that's my flesh and that's sin. But what we are called to do is to be in the posture of um, the father. I think about the father and the prodigal son, and that is paralleled a lot with, with um, Paul in Acts 16. So I heard Tim Keller one time, like, Tim Keller loves the prodigal son and you know, every, everything's the, <laughs> you can, the prodigal something. Yeah. And, yeah. Look uh, at his uh, book collection. Yeah, and, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, but one of the things I heard him say one time, I don't even remember if I mentioned this on a podcast at some point, but you know, who remembers what I said five minutes ago, but yeah, it's been 82 episodes of this. Right. Point, that's so. right. Yeah. So who knows? But 
he made the point where he said, you know, why is the father in the story able to meet the son like that? To run out to him, to embrace him, to throw a party, to whatever. He makes the argument that the, the only way you could do that is if that's what you were rehearsing in your mind. Hmm. Like if you, we have all had conflict with people where we've replayed We've replayed a conversation and then we've imagined what we would say to them if we had another opportunity. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I should have said this or the next time I see them, like, this is the point I'm going to make. Um, and, and it's not always positive, right? Like, and you're thinking like, well, and then if somebody, how many times, and if you're rehearsing that and then your friend, if maybe you've had the experience where a friend then comes to you and just apologizes and actually catches you off guard with an apology. If, if you've, if you've ever been in any kind of a friendship like that, um, it happens in marriage a lot. Like I've had that happen where the person catches you off guard with an apology. You thought they were going to defend themselves. You thought they were going to get into a debate. You were primed for a debate and they catch you off guard with an apology. What happens? There's kind of like this, like melting of the guard, you know, like there's this like, is it? Or do you I mean, like sit there and go, but I had things to say. Okay. I guess you and I handle things. I don't know, man. I feel, I feel guilty. You know, I feel like. Well, maybe you do. So maybe, well, okay. So, or guilt or whatever. But yeah. So whatever it was, it's not celebration. No. So it might yeah, be that's fair. guilt. It might be like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. You, you apologize. That's actually the most. So I, I've had that happen yeah. where I kind of melt and I feel badly about the things I was planning on saying. And then other times. We accept an apology kind of on the condition of also getting to say the things that yeah, I wanted to say. You're like, yeah, 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 I forgive you. Yes. But really, but quickly, I really like, just want you to know. Yeah, right. Like, yeah. I mean, how many times do you said that? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, it's exactly right. I forgive you, but I do want you to know, like, this is what hurt me in this. Oh, man. But the father in the prodigal son doesn't do any of that. Right. And, and Tim Keller's point, which I think is very convincing. Now, again, this is a parable. So, right. so you're reading into it, but... But his point is the only way you respond that way is if that's what you're rehearsing. Like you want so desperately, the thing you want more than anything is for this person to be reconciled, this person to come back, this person to return. And if that's what you want more than anything, then when they do it, you will celebrate. When what you want more than anything is I want to be right or yes, I want them to come back, but I want them to know that what they did was wrong. I want, I want justice. I want to make sure that they like any of those combinations and you don't respond the way that the father does. You also don't respond the way that Paul does in Acts 16. So in Acts 16, when Paul's put into prison and he's, he's in the, in the stocks and he's singing, it says they're singing songs and, and praising God. And then the earthquake happens, like they get broken free and the, the guard, when realizing that the prisoners are free, goes to kill himself because he knows his fate is, is sealed at that point. And Paul stops him. Like, I always was struck by that because he, he, he stops him and says, look, we're, we're still here. And he, like, he saves the life of the jailer yeah, who right. humiliated him and unjustly locked him up. Now, if Paul is thinking about anything other than I'm praising God and I desperately want this jailer to come to know him. Hmm. Then he doesn't respond that way. Right. He's at least slow on the draw. The guy's going to to impale himself and to kill himself. You got to react pretty quickly on the spot. Yeah. And, and if you're, if your thought is like you, like you, you, 
like I want you, I want justice to come down on you. Then you're probably at the very minimum going to be slow to stop him. And even if you stop him, there's going to be some other conversation in there. But what Paul does is stops him and says, no, 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 you're don't do that. And then leads him to Christ and rejoices. Like it's all so immediate. Hmm. And how does that happen unless that's what you're planning on? So that's what you're rehearsing in your mind. And so what I'm making the point of is when it comes to our, to enemies of the cross or enemies of us, people who persecute us, people who make our lives, like maybe make our lives difficult or have hurt us. What I'm making the case for from Psalm 20 and from the prodigal son and from Acts 16 is praying for their blessing is our way of rehearsing. This is how joyful, this is what I want. Like praying for something gets my heart in line with this is what I want for them. And so that when God redeems them and turns them, I'm able to rejoice. I I always think about that with people who have left our church. I pray for their blessing. I want to rejoice in their flourishing in the Lord so that if they ever like if they ever come back that they would come back to a celebration yeah not to a yeah but i'm still hurt by this this and this and this still bothers me and we got to figure this out i want them to now i'm not i'm not perfect in that but this is the calling of jesus and every time i don't feel that way i i feel like i have to confront i do need to confront that in me and say okay and the best way i found to do that is to pray for their blessing Pray that God would bless them. Pray that God would flourish them. And that shapes my heart and at least gives me the picture of, okay, this is what Jesus does. Because we were we who were once enemies of the cross, like are, are redeemed and welcomed back, and it's immediate. Like there's no there's no trial period. There's no time for us to prove that we really mean it. It is immediate. And we are then, like you said, what God has done in us, he wants to do through us. And so if that's the way the, the Lord has received me, then that is how I'm to receive others. So I, I'm just imagining somebody listening to this and going, that that sounds great and everything. But what happens, the prodigal son doesn't always return. Right. You, you have plenty of people who have been praying that have been yeah. prepping that in their minds. What what would you say to the person who goes? It's been twenty years. You know what 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 do you say to them? Well, I mean, you imagine in that story, like how long the father is praying, is desiring that, clearly desiring that, and um, and and so yeah, one issue is is yeah, it's easy. Of course, we can imagine praying that for someone we love and we have affection for, um but someone that we don't have affection for and learning how to love them and want that for them is, is a different thing. But then also, yeah, what do you do over, over time? Like there's not really an easy answer to that other than continue. Like don't grow weary, be the persistent widow and, and keep praying for that and hoping for that and wanting that. That's part of why we can only do this in Christ because in the world's way, at some point you give up on people. Because it's just too painful. You know, it's like watching, like you watch a, um, like watch a sporting contest of some sort. Some sort. So, so if I'm watching, um, we all know that thing where you're watching your team and it looks like it's over. 
I you would have, never, as a Chicago, no, Bears, Chicago fan, Bears fan, I would you never, never know, what know what that feels like. So at some point you give up. At some point you give up as a way of protecting yourself. I, I do this all the time. And it's why a lot of people will say, man, I wish we would have gotten, it would have been better to get blown out than to lose like in the last second. Oh, it's, it's so true. You can yeah. tell how the Bears are doing based upon whether I'm paying attention to the NFL like right. five weeks into the season. Yeah. So that's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah, it's, yeah. We would all, I think most people have had that experience. It's more painful yeah. to hope for something that doesn't end up happening than when you get blown out. You, you, what you're doing is you're accepting early on what your fate is and then yeah. you're giving up on the thing that you wanted at the beginning of the game. Like your team's down by 30 in the first half. You're like, well, like I no longer hope for this thing that I wanted at the beginning. And, um, and so that's what happens. I think a lot of times when we're praying for people and we're praying for a prodigal, um, is at some point to protect ourselves, we give up because we stop believing that it's possible. And I'm so guilty of this. There's people I love dearly in my life where if I confront myself, I'm like, you're, you're protecting yourself by giving up. And, um, and so I would say don't, but that can only happen in Christ because in your own flesh and your own strength, that, that will literally, that hope will kill you. Like that's, it's, it's that there is, um, uh, a TV show. I mean, it's going to be dangerous. I, th- I think I know where you're going. Okay. Yeah. It so might Ted, be dangerous. Ted Lasso, <laughs> which I do not, I do not condone a lot of the stuff that happens in that show. And it's probably a really good one for vid angel or something like yeah, that to yep. like, you know, eliminate it. Do not watch this with your children. Like I'm just, but, but in that, the, the season finale of season one is it's the hope that kills you. Yeah. And it's the fact that they were so close. And, and I, I think, what the world would look at that as say, so you have to protect yourself, but in Christ, we don't have to, because in Christ I can, I can pray and I can hope, but I can put all that on Christ. It's not on me to save that person. It's not on me to make sure that they come back home. I can just continually go to my father and plead with him and ask him, please, would you do this? Please, would you do this? Please, would you do this? And knowing that it's him who has to do it and it's him who, who will ultimately do that. Um, that he will make that call. He will do that if in his will. And I'm trusting him completely in that. Um, but my role is to constantly petition him for that and to pray and to hope for it and to not give up hope so that the day would come that they do return. And I'm just celebrating. Yeah. And it's a good, I, I think it's a good barometer because there's a difference between giving up and, uh, releasing it to God, right? Like there's a, yes. there's a, there's a big difference oh, between the two. And I, I think that the moment where you give up, you recognize you've been finding, you've been, you've been hoping in something outside of Christ. The moment that you feel um, in that hopeless state, you've, you've found that you have put your hope in something that ultimately um, is finite. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, we always have hope in Christ. There's always um, opportunity for that. And, and I, I think it's a really it's a really good point to remind ourselves of that. And, and I think it's challenging to me, um, and, and applicable to me. I you know, to be honest, this was a very convicting message on Psalm 20 because I had a few people pop into my mind uh, immediately that I was like, Oh, I need yeah. to be praying this way for those people. Um, and I have been the last couple of days and I recognized, and I'm even recognizing right now, my hope was found in, these finite things. My, my hope was found in these finite things for these people. It was not found mm. in Christ for these people. And it, it, it is a challenge and it is difficult 
recognizing that, but it also should produce a little spark of joy, a little yeah. spark of it, it. We should have a little bit of hope, yeah. but that hope then is in something or someone who is infinite. Can't, you know, if you're down by 30 in the first quarter, you, you can, uh, there, there can be a comeback, you know, with, yeah. with God, it is possible. So, uh, with God, all things are possible. So there we go. I feel like yeah. I read that somewhere. Well, and you, you do, you rob yourself. That's exactly right. You rob yourself of joy when you stop hoping because you know, not to overplay the sports analogy, but there have been times where I've given up on my team and then they've made a comeback. And it's, it's not, it's not as exciting as when I hoped the whole time. Yeah. Like, when you're the one that's like sulking in the background yes. while your team's like pulling it together. And, yeah. yeah. And then you show up and then you watch, maybe you watch it later on YouTube. It's not the same right. as when you're there in it with them. And so, um, so it is a joyful thing. I mean, one of the things for me, like a, personal testimonies when I've done this, when I prayed for the flourishing and blessing of people who have hurt me, um, I like, there's a, there's a, like, honestly, like when you start doing it, it's painful. Yeah. It's, it, it makes you cringe. It may like, there's like, for me, there's a feeling of like in my gut of like, uh, but over time, sometimes it happens quickly. Sometimes it's longer, but over time that changes. And what, I end up experiencing is, is freedom. Like I, I, I'm set free from like replaying and rehashing these painful things. Um, I I'm set free from feeling of like desiring justice for that person or like what, you know, claiming that something's not fair or whatever the situation is. I I'm released from that little by little. I'm released from that and get to a place, um, where now I'm just, I'm just pr- praying that God would bless them. And, and wanting that so that when, when I see, when I actually see that maybe they are flourishing, I'm rejoicing in that rather than feeling resentful of it or it contributing to bitterness. Like it grows in my heart and helps me to love people better, gives me a better appreciation for what Jesus did for me. Um, and, and it's just good stuff. Like it is exciting. And so I want I do want to encourage people if we're getting practical here, I just want to encourage people, um, don't give up on that. It is painful at first. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you, Oh, like the first time you pray for this person who has hurt you in some way or has caused you grief, um, that, that everything is rosy. Um, it's not, it takes faithful obedience to Jesus to say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to do it again. And God, I'm going to trust you and got to, you know, I pray that you would remind me that this is how you have loved me. And so I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do it again. And watch how from one degree of glory to another, we are just being formed into that and then, and then rejoicing at the work that God has done in you. Like, don't, don't cheat yourself out of that by, um, by giving up. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things I I love about this, and I mean, maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel, I feel, I feel like it's important to also say this, just because you're praying for the well being, the prosperity the desires uh, prosperity i probably shouldn't say that word uh the the well-being of the other person that doesn't necessarily mean that other per like you it doesn't necessarily mean that it will be a uh a reconciled relationship with you or yeah, it, it might not be because i feel like there are going to be those out there who sure. uh, were hurt by somebody in such a way where right. a, a a friendship a whatever kind mm-hmm. of relationship just it, it, it's not possible yep um, and that's okay. You're, you're praying that 
you know, you're praying for them in their relationship with God. You're praying for those in their relationships with others. It doesn't necessarily have to be a um, completely fresh, incredible relationship with you um, necessarily. Right. Is that fair? I oh, feel like that's totally. an important thing to say. So here, I'll give you an example from my past, um, you know, long time ago, um, I had, was counseling somebody who was in an abusive relationship and the abuser in that situation just left and, and broke the relationship. And, um, and this person was going through this path and was praying and prayed for their blessing. And it's so hard and, and right. And I was, I was challenged and encouraged. I was like, Holy cow, like you are really trusting Jesus right now because I was angry at that person, the the abuser. Like I could not, I wasn't where this person was. So she kept doing that. And at one point she was saying like, I, she was actually, I could tell she was rejoicing. She had heard that he was, you know, that there was something positive happening in his life. And she rejoiced in that, like in this freedom in her. And I, um, I asked her, I said, so what, what would you do if he called you back and said, Hey, I was wrong. Like I, I've changed. I, I think we should give this another shot in being together. Oof. Yeah. And she, without missing a beat said, I'd say no. Wow. And it was such a, like, it wasn't a vindictive, like her demeanor didn't change. She was still rejoicing in that, but she was freed from that. And she right. knew, she knew because she'd taken it to the Lord, because she trusted Jesus so fully say, God, whatever this looks like, she was able to experience both the freedom of being able to, the, the freedom and the Christ likeness of rejoicing with somebody who had done her harm, but at the same time, understanding that I'm not his savior. And so that doesn't mean that I then have to like, I have to reenter that. Right. I don't have to make that choice. I can make the choice to stay, say, no, that, that I'm not going to put myself in that situation again, but I really am grateful if, if this is what's happening in your life. So, yeah, I think it's really critical that, uh, especially when you're talking about situations of abuse, um, and sometimes it's not even that extreme. Sometimes it's just trust with a, with a friendship, you know, where someone has betrayed your trust that you can pray for them, you can forgive them and you can rejoice for them and you can, you can let God have that hurt and you can release that. That doesn't mean that you then are going to go back to them and share something deep with them or enter into business with them again or do whatever. But that doesn't have to be vindictive. What makes that vindictive is a heart thing. If your heart is for them and rejoicing them, then not reentering into that isn't vindictive. It's, it's wise. Yeah. Right. But it, that's that's where we get in the trouble of saying like, well, this action necessarily means this heart thing. What makes an action vindictive is a heart that is either for their like once retribution, or a heart that wants wants their prosperity to yeah. to use that term. Uh, once that yeah, yeah, you love you love when I use that word. But um, does that make sense? Yes. No. A hundred percent. That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. And I, I think that for those who have been a part of those relationships, sometimes there can be guilt that's heaped onto them Mm -hmm. that if they don't then there hasn't been an actual rejoicing that has happened and i think it's important just to say like no you can you you can rejoice from a distance like that's okay and and for some cases that is the healthy thing to do i'm not saying that's the case for all of them yeah absolutely um, but i feel like that's an important 
I think it, I think it is. I think the way to analyze that, and that is something I didn't include in the sermon, but just, just watch your heart. Yeah. What is your initial reaction? I mean, now, especially with Facebook and social media and Instagram and all these different places where you, you can see, I mean, everybody has had the experience of somebody that has upset you or hurt you or something like that. And then they pop up on your feed and something amazing is happening to them. And you have that moment in your heart, you yeah. know, whether, whether you, whether you respond to that with, I'm glad that they're experiencing that. Or if you respond with, it makes you grumpy, it makes Gr- you bitter. Grumpy. Grumpy is a good word. Grumpy is we'll a good go, word. We'll go grumpy. <laughs> and, and I would just say, don't, don't ignore that. That is a, right. that is God's kindness that he is showing that to you. And if what you experience is grumpiness <laughs> over that, then I would just say, yeah, that's not where Christ wants us to be. And I get it. Like, believe me, I have empathy for that. I'm not, yeah. uh, but, but I would say if, if you would trust Jesus in that, then say, okay, no, why, why do I feel that way about this? And, and confront that and then start praying so that, I mean, how great would it be to be able to go through your Facebook feed and only rejoice with people? Oh man. I feel like you'd have a lot more people that are, yeah. I feel like Facebook would be a more joyous place to be. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great? Yeah, but wouldn't that be but great? we don't. And, uh, for a lot of reasons, but yeah, that, that would be just that, that sign of like, pay attention to what's the initial reaction of your heart and, and take that captive and, and confront that and say, okay, does this, is this in line with how Christ has responded to me through the gospel? And if it's not, don't, it's not the time to heap shame on yourself, but to repent and to receive God's forgiveness and also receive his promise that he's not leaving us there, that he's going to make us into the person who rejoices. Yeah. Because one day, frankly, in heaven, that's what it's going to be like. Like in heaven, you're going to be there with people who wronged you and hurt you. And you're not even going to be mad at them. You're not. Yeah. You're going to rejoice side by side. You're going to hang your banners and worshiping God together. You're going to shout for joy over their salvation. And so doing that here on earth just just is going to fuel more joy in that when that happens. Amen. That's good. I love it. You have anything else? No, that was a good time to stop. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I thought so. You mind if I wrap it up? No, you go for it. Man. All right, we'll, give it a whirl. We'll, 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 we'll this go will be your audition. Yeah, we'll go ahead and give it a shot. All right. Uh, if you have any questions that you'd like tackled on the podcast, we record these once a week. You can send an email to, I think, connect at faithpeshtigo.com. Uh, you can also go on our website, faithpeshtigo.com, or send us a message on Facebook. We will try to get back to you and uh, maybe even tackle it here on the podcast. And, and also just connect with us. Uh, let us know. Uh, if you're listening, anything that we can be praying for you about. Um, otherwise, we will uh, talk to you next week. Grace and peace to you. Mm-hmm.